0: Park Hopping Podcast number 14. Another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan of DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast. The podcast that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that, yes, anyone can have their own podcast. Welcome to show number 14, entitled, Cheating Fast Pass. Of course, I'm not actually going to tell you how to cheat FastPass. It's more like a title to get people to listen to it. Now, I just got back from another Christmas visit to Disneyland and had a lot of fun, enjoyed the fireworks, the holiday decorations, and tried to upload some very crappily recorded uh, sort of pseudo-live updates. So thank you for bearing with me over the awful audio there. And now back to a regular podcast with a regular topic. Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the fast Pass system that Disney has been using in the parks. Now, FastPass is a ride reservation system that originally they started testing at the Magic Kingdom at Space Mountain back in 1999. That's the Magic Kingdom in Florida. Now, to understand the way the system works, let's think about a restaurant that accepts reservations for dinner. There's two ways the restaurant might do this. First, it might be reservations only and just take as many reservations as it knew it could handle based on how long the average guest took to eat, how big the dining room was, things like that. Or second, it could have kind of a mix. It could accept reservations as they came in and let other people walk in and take the available slots. Well, Disney's FastPass system is a lot like the latter. So let's start by talking about how FastPass actually works. Now, at the various uh, machines that support FastPass, there's a little kiosk, and you insert your admission ticket, and it spits out a card that says you may return and ride this ride between you know, 105 and 205. It's an hour window. And you can come back then and kind of bypass the line and and, uh, be kind of first available so it's just like reservations at a lot of restaurants when you show up it doesn't mean you get to sit down immediately but you will get the next available table so let's explain the uh, simple simple terms how the algorithm that disney's fast pass uses works let's assume we have a ride that handles a thousand people per hour In a day when the park is open from noon to 10 p.m., that's just to make an even 10 hours, it's just an example. Well, we have 10,000 people that can ride that attraction. Now, for the first hour of the day and hours during parades, fireworks, mill times, and the ending hours, there's going to be less people wanting to ride that ride, so the lines will be shorter. But during peak hours, perhaps the main hour of the day, maybe there's 3,000 people that want to ride that, meaning folks during that time will be waiting in line up to three hours, but the folks that show up early in the morning, don't have any weight because of the first person to get there. Now, something like this happens quite often at Walt Disney World at the Magic Kingdom for rides like Splash Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain, where you can routinely see lines two, maybe even three hours long in August, especially, you know, a water ride like Splash uh, Mountain in a hot, hot summer August day. So the idea behind Disney's Fast Pass is to optimize the ride's line and spread the riders out so they are distributed more from open to close kind of equally rather than clumping everyone together mostly during the the peak hours. So just like a restaurant that mixes in standby guests with reservation holders, FastPass allows standby riders to take up any slots not being used by the FastPass reservation holders. Okay, now that we've oversimplified that, let's take a perfect world example of the FastPass system at work. Now in this example, we're going to be taking that ride um, that has a capacity of, say, a 1,000 Riders per hour, like I mentioned um, above, and we're going to set aside 10% or 100 riders per hour for Fast Pass. That means the Fast Pass machines are going to distribute 100 tickets per hour for each of the 10 hours the park is open. Now, this reduces the standby ride capacity to 9,000 riders per day, with the 1,000 Fast Pass riders spread out from open to close those 1,000 riders are allocated using a sliding window of time. Now, the FastPass machines split the hour up into 5-minute increments. So if the hour is split up into 5-minute chunks, that's 12 chunks per hour, each of the 5 minutes can handle about 8 riders. Now, this is kind of funky math. You know, don't get me for rounding errors. Um, These are just simple numbers for a simple example, mostly because math makes my brain hurt. Okay, so at noon when the park opens... When there's no one in line, if you walked right up to the fast pass machine, it might give you a return time of 12.05 to 1.05. If seven more people could get tickets in that same five-minute time frame, we'd all have the same return time. Now, during the next five minutes, eight more tickets could be issued between 12.10 and 1.10. So far, so simple. Actually, it's too simple. Now, what usually happens is there's a big rush of a lot of people trying to get FastPass tickets all at the same time. In fact, quite often you have to stand in a line to get the FastPass tickets. So if a hundred people showed up wanting to claim the FastPass tickets all during that first five minutes, well, the first eight would get 12.05 to one hundred five and the return time would click over to 12.10. So the next eight people, eight tickets issued would be 12.10 to one ten. And it would click over and so on. So as you were behind all these people to get FastPass tickets, you'd see the FastPass return window going forward and forward and forward. Now, those 100 people would all have the FastPass return time moved down by an hour, since we're assuming 100 FastPass tickets per hour in this example. right? So all the FastPass tickets that were available during that first noon to 1 p.m. hour have now been given out. So if anybody wanted to walk up, um, you know, five minutes after this and get a pass, they're instantly going to have a return time of an hour down the line. Now, this is a silly example because you can see as soon as a thousand people have snagged the tickets, all the fast pass tickets would be gone for the day. On a very busy day at the park with a popular ride, this can happen in a matter of, you know, hours, 30 minutes, whatever. So, um, You know, a lot of times the fast pass capacity is much higher than this example. The ride capacity is much higher than that. Again, these are just basic, simple examples. You know, I saw this actually firsthand when Space Mountain reopened at Disneyland during the July 50th anniversary. The fast pass tickets were gone so fast on July 17th and 18th, you know, when it was brand new, reopened, that you'd show up within the first couple of hours. The return time was already really late in the evening. So if you didn't get a pass early in the day, uh, you were out of luck. Um, but I digress. Now, if only 10,000 people wanted to ride this ride, with 10% of them using Fast Pass so they didn't have to wait in line, and the other 90% on standby, that 90% wouldn't even notice a de- delay at all, while the 10% would get on board very rapidly, rapidly basically shifting those uh, 100 people around in an hour. So it really wouldn't make a big in- impact. Now, it's a fantastic system under ideal circumstances, but the reality is that a mix of FastPass tickets is going to be much higher than 10%, causing even fewer people to be able to ride standby. And if the ride capacity doesn't match rider demand, such as when 50,000 people are in the park all wanting to ride the same ride on the same day, well, the end result is a percentage of FastPass riders getting to ride easily, while the standby line is much, much longer than it would have been without... uh, Fast pass. Now, some rides like the people eating pirates of the Caribbean and haunted mansion you know they don't need fast pass at all when fast pass was added to pirates for a while in California it caused a much slower standby line because of all the fast pass tickets that were being handled out and the fastpass line really wasn't that much faster than how things were before fast pass or today after fast pass has been removed even with a line using the full outside queue and extending behind the entrance archway pirates still never seems to be more than maybe a 15 or 20 minute wait when they've got everything running at full speed, so a gain of five or ten minutes from having a fast pass ticket really wasn't that big of a deal, considering the disadvantage it was giving you know the other percentage of guests doing standby so That's the general theory of operation of FastPass. Now, Disney can crank up the percentage of FastPass tickets, allowing them to be available longer during the day at the downside of increasing the standby line. There's a nice mix in the middle, which on a good day seems to work out really well. Folks that have limited time in the park um, and who get there early in the day are assured they at least get to ride a high-demand attraction. I can certainly remember visiting the Magic Kingdom in Florida a number of times, different trips, and not getting to ride Splash Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain at all due to having an intense two-hour line and and just not having time to stand in it. At Disneyland, we were guaranteed a chance to ride big-demand rides like Space Mountain after it reopened at least once each day by showing up early, claiming a FastPass ticket, and coming back later, even if the FastPass ran completely out within the first few hours of the day as long as we got there before that happened. Worst case, after all, was standing in a much, much slower standby line, and there was a lot of other things we wanted to see anyway. All right, now I told you I wasn't going to tell you how to cheat FastPass, but I will tell you how it used to be possible to cheat FastPass. Now, originally the FastPass machines were not very smart. They simply spit out a ticket based on reading a barcode. The machine remembered the barcode number that was inserted, and it would not issue another ticket to that number until the time window was up. Now, someone found out that you could just put in an expired park pass or, or even something like a Sam's Club membership card, anything with a barcode on it that was compatible, and the The machine would spit out a FastPass ticket based on that barcode. This allowed folks to get multiple FastPasses at a time. Not that I ever tried it during a visit. Now Disney fixed this by making the machines only accept Disney admission passes and uh, I think somebody figured out that they could bring in their friends passes and then they could load up on fast passes that way but Disney went a step further to make sure that it only accepted a pass that had been scanned in at the front gate that day. It seems uh, people were taking advantage of this with lots of friends and relatives passes. Okay, so you can kind of get the idea of of it's kind of been a cat and mouse um, game as people started figuring out how the system worked and how to abuse it. All right, so the next issue was uh, whether or not the Fast Pass machines were on or off the network. Now, machines were considered to be on the network if they could talk to each other. Um, for instance, if you got a Fast Pass at Big Thunder Mountain and it said you could get a next your next pass at 1:30 p.m. And if the Haunted Mansion machine knew that you were holding a Big Thunder pass, it would prevent you from getting one there at the same time. So they could talk to each other, and it was like one global system. So you could only have one fast pass at a time the way it was designed. But there were machines that were off the network, and they didn't know you already had a pass somewhere else. So when you walked up to the off-network machine and stuck in your admission card. It would gladly spit you one out, not realizing you already had one and it shouldn't give you one. Well, a lot of folks didn't try this, and they didn't discover it, um, but a lot of people did, either by accident or reading it online, and they realized that several popular rides were not on the network with others, and they knew which combinations of rides they could have passes for at the same time. Well, this allowed people to get multiple passes, um, and Disney fixed this by putting all the machines back on the network. Alright, still with me? So far, so good. Now, like all software, the FastPass software was getting upgraded and evolving, not only to keep people from cheating the system, but also to make it a little easier to use, and it would print out more information. The original FastPass ticket, I've got a picture of it in my 1999 Magic Kingdom Space Mountain photo gallery. It just had a time, you know, from here to here, and it was really, really plain. Well, the original software was pretty simple. It would spit out a card with a return time, and you were not allowed to get another pass until that return time was reached. So if at noon you wanted to get a pass for a popular ride, which currently had a return time of 6 p.m. that evening, if you got a fast pass there, it meant you could not have another pass until 6 p.m., now was it worth it you wouldn't be able to use any other fast pass machines for the rest of the day until 6 p.m. rolled around well if that ride was very important to you then yes it was worth it if you had to ride this ride before you considered your trip a success then it gave you a way to do that mission accomplished but if you planned to play the fast pass game and try some other rides well you'd have to give up that ride so you could fast pass three or four maybe less popular rides during the day and um well, you know that was just a nice trade-off. Ah, that's fine. Well, Disney updated the system to give us all a little perk. Now, what they did is they made it so your return time was, uh, you know, still the same, but you were allowed to get another Fast Pass, usually about an hour after you got the ticket. So it only disabled you from using Fast Pass for an hour unless your return time was less than that. Now, these numbers may be adjusted from time to time. Um, Basically, this meant you could have multiple Fast Passes legally. For instance, if noon you got to that Space Mountain Pass and it had a return time of 6 p.m., at 1 p.m. you could go and get a Pirates Pass or whatever. Now, at 1 p.m. when you got the Pirates Pass, say its return time was 7 p.m. Well, at 2 o'clock you could go get another pass somewhere else, so now you're holding three of them legally. Using this knowledge, it was possible to always be loaded up with fast passes on days when um, they didn't run out early anyway. Now, what Disney did is they clearly print on the ticket. You may get your next Fast Pass ticket at this time, but a lot of people don't notice this. They just look at their return time and they go, oh, I can't get a ticket until I see my return time. Well, this actually bit us during our recent trip. We were going to go get a ticket at Space Mountain, and the return time was several hours later at 4.45, and I said, oh, no, then we can't get one till 4, so let's just go right Indy. I wasn't thinking that we probably could have gotten another pass already. I have uh, had a lot of really good days where you can maximize this system and make it work the way it was intended. You have all these rides you want to ride. You just show up and ride them. You spend the rest of your time doing lunch, taking on shows, riding things that don't have Fast FastPass uh, tickets on it, some stuff that maybe uh, you wouldn't have done otherwise. So it does have some advantages And there are some disadvantages that I will uh, talk about maybe at another point when I feel like doing a negative podcast. But for now, this podcast is really about effective ways to use FastPass to see as much as possible for those like myself who don't have the luxury of visiting the parks anytime they want and who want to really make the most of their visit by writing as many things as possible during what limited time they have in the park. All right, with that said, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes talking about a strategy that we've successfully used during our last several visits to Disneyland in California. Now... Disneyland is normally, uh, well, like Disney World, too. It's normally a park I like to visit during off-peak times. I don't like to go there during the heavy summer months of June, July, August or doing the thick Christmas breaks or anything like that because during the summertime, it's hotter, there's more lines. The advantage is the parks are open longer hours and more entertainment is there, plus pretty much every ride is running. If you go in during the off-season, there's going to be fewer lines, but that's when Disney will take rides down for upgrades and refurbishment, things like that. You also won't see as many of the parades. They won't be showing a lot of the firework shows except on weekends, if at all. So you have to weigh that. Um, As long as the rides you're interested in are open, go during the off-season, Then this podcast doesn't even really apply. But the last three to four... Five. Wow. The last five trips I've made, three of them have been during the Christmas season, and two of them have been during the summer, one in August and one in July over the 50th anniversary weekend. So crowds were very, very heavy this last July, and it did make it difficult to see some things. So here's a couple of simple strategies that I've been using to maximize what little time I had during the park and prevent standing in lines all day. The first thing to know is the first hour of the park is the most important time to be at the park as far as riding the really popular rides. Do not sleep in. Show up to the park half an hour or an hour earlier. Actually, in off-peak times when the park is opening at 9 or 10, show up about an hour before. And this is specific to Disneyland. Your mileage will vary at Disney World. Because at Disneyland, they'll often open up Main Street half an hour to an hour before the park opens, you can catch the opera house, grab you some breakfast, or just get some coffee and then wait at the end for the rope drop and then be the first ones into the park. Now, during um, peak times when the park's opening at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever it happens to be, they're probably not going to be letting people in. Now, the caveat to this is if they are doing early entry, people who buy certain passes or stay at the hotels are allowed into the park earlier. So if you show up to the park at 9 a.m., when it's supposed to open, but they've already been letting guests in for the last hour. Chances are there's already going to be lines at the popular attractions based on thousands of people using early entry. So this technique won't work as well there. But still, a few thousand people in line for the Indiana Jones adventure is a lot better than 40,000 people who want to ride it during the day. So that's the most important thing is show up early. What do you do then? Well, this is easy. What do you want to do? Now, I always consider the Fantasyland rides kind of a must-do, at least once on my trip. In the case of Peter Pan's flight, it always has a long line throughout the entire day, followed by Alice in Wonderland, then Mr. Toad, and then Snow White and Pinocchio, things like that. So... One good approach to do as soon as the park opens is head straight through the castle, get in line and ride Peter Pan, then go ride Alice in Wonderland, then finish up doing Mr. Toad, Pinocchio, Snow White, and if you've got the guts, teacups and Dumbo. You might want to change the order. You might want to do Dumbo earlier or teacups earlier after uh, Peter Pan and Alice because those rides are very slow cycling rides, and it's really tough to get onto them on a busy day unless you are willing to stand and Line. Well, I don't ride spinny rides, so those weren't on my list. The same thing could apply to Casey Jr. Circus Train and the the, uh, Storybook Land canal boats. So that would let you completely clear out all of the Fantasyland attractions, at least the dark rides, within the first 20 to 30 minutes the park is open. Now, you could do that every morning if you're willing to let the rides build up a little somewhere else. The next thing we do is we go and head over to the Most popular attraction in the park Which currently is Space Mountain Because it's it's kind of new, it just reopened And we go and look at the line We usually will just grab a fast pass Because the return time is usually within an hour or so from there Now, if you want to double up on Fast Pass, you can grab a Fast Pass, then hop in line. But if you really want to be aggressive, what we suggested doing is grab a Fast Pass on Space, head back up to ride Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear moves pretty fast. Early in the day, it doesn't have much of a line. You can ride that, knowing you've secured a Fast Pass on Space Mountain for later on in the day. Then you can whip over to Adventureland and check out other rides that get big long lines such as Big Thunder Mountain or um, Indiana Jones. Now, Big Thunder Mountain will really, really move pretty quickly during the day. When all the trains are running, it's a pretty fast-moving ride. Indiana Jones has got FastPass on it currently, so its standby line will slow down. But since the merge point for Indiana Jones is right at the entrance of the temple, if you can look down and only see 20 or 30 people in line outside the temple, that's as many people as you're going to be getting ahead of using FastPass. If nobody's in line up to the temple, that means the line is already inside the temple. FastPass does no good. Well, if you've only ridden Big Thunder and Buzz, maybe your return time for space is not up yet. But if your return time for space or the time you can get another fast pass is there, go ahead and grab one on Indiana Jones, check out the Jungle Cruise, and just try to play this little game. Doing this technique, you can pretty much hit virtually everything in the park in one day, including things like the monorail, if you're willing to hustle Make use of Fast Pass and know which rides are not going to be able to. Uh, you know, you have to give up certain things. You might have to give up the Astro Orbiter and Dumbo. Uh, the Matterhorn has no Fast Pass, so it's something that you either have to stand in line later on at night because it's a lot f- more fun at night to me, or you have to make it one of your mornings when you jump over and do the Fantasy Land and then immediately head to the Matterhorn. We've had multiple, multiple days where we hit so many things in the park. By doing this, we hit the Matterhorn left and right and all the Fantasy Lands, Space Mountain, but we were making sure we were riding Indy and Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, the big coasters and things like that multiple times in a day. And this was in December when they were also closing the park to capacity due, uh, due to the fireworks and the other shows. So these are just some general guidelines for being really aggressive and visiting the park. Use FastPass. Either grab it, go do other things and come back later, or... Grab it, then get in line so you can write it twice that day. One thing to remember is you can have multiple fast passes, so if the next time you get a fast pass, it says you can get your next one at three pm as soon as three o 'clock ticks around, grab a fast pass at another ride you want to ride, then go ride your original fast pass that way the time you spend in the fast pass line, which could be five to fifteen minutes counts against your next fast pass. If you do things like that, you can really optimize the way you use fast pass okay there 's so much more that I can talk about with fast pass and avoiding lines and doing things like that. If anybody's interested, I've got a lot more stuff I'd like to yammer about but I'm already over 20 minutes, so... On that note, I think that'll do it for me this time. So be sure to visit disneyfans.com where you can browse over 25,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country and dozens and dozens of downloadable video files including some in 3D from the Disney parks here. And if you want to drop me a note, my email address is alan, that's allen, that's a double L E N at disneyfans.com. Drop by anothercrappypodcast.com and click on the link and put your little push pin on the map where you are. I sell I had six listeners. Gosh, it looks like we've got at least seven or eight people that have put their pins in. I'm stunned. Anyway, this has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 14, Cheating Fast Pass. Thanks for listening. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting podcasts. Hmm.